Hello and welcome back to the Read Platform podcast. Uh, it's myself, James, as always, and I'm joined again by Paul. Paul, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you? How was your holiday? Yeah, nice. Uh, it was. It was as we were just discussed. It was nice to ignore laptops, emails, and phones for two entire weeks and completely self-isolate in a uh, remote farm. It's brilliant. Awesome. So yeah, now back to the realities of e-commerce. I felt a bit weird having uh, having uh, a week and a bit without recording an episode. So looking forward to today's chat. Uh, and for those of you listening, we've got a, um, I, I think it's a, an absolutely critical um, topic related to re-platforming, which is on-site search. So what we're going to be looking at, we, we don't have any um, external uh, speakers today. It's just myself and Paul chatting about the realities of implementing on-site search during a re-platforming, you know, what the good, the bad, the ugly, et cetera, sharing some of our experiences. And I think it's, um, it's quite interesting having our viewpoints on it because we've both got experience of working with lots of different search providers. And I know, Paul, you've, you do a lot of work with Clayvoo, don't you? So you've got a lot of experience of their, their specific technology in this environment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I've been working with them for about four or five years, just kind of advising and working a bit on the roadmap and stuff like that. Excellent. Yeah. And I've worked with Clayvoo on a project very recently as well, implementing them on a new e-commerce site. So I've got uh, behind the hood on that tool and I can see now the, the comparisons with other ones. So the reason for doing this topic is because a lot of people go down the route of spending time and effort to implement an e-commerce platform but don't always take the time and effort to think about the on-site search experience. I think a lot of the times it's, there's a site, a tool within the platform and that tool is implemented or there's a third party tool that's being used and it just gets turned on without stopping to think about what's a user experience. What are all the different use cases for search? What are all the different elements that make site search a positive versus a negative experience online? And you can often find that you go live with a really good website where loads of effort has been put into it, yet the search journey is fundamentally broken and search performance is poor. I, I don't know whether, whether I'm unique in finding this, Paul. Like, do, you, do you share that where people often underestimate the amount of time that needs to be thought around search journey? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, it feels like an area that just, yeah, completely undervalued, really. I mean, sometimes you do, I've worked with some teams that have been um, really focused on search, but that's generally being kind of multi-brand, like large catalog um, retailers. But yeah, I mean, I think, and I'm sure you agree, like search is important for any e-com site. Um, yeah, and, and I've definitely worked with a lot of businesses that haven't taken it particularly seriously. Yeah, and I find it an interesting one because so much effort normally goes into like off-site search, SEO optimization, specifically around Google and Western markets, you know, obsessively about, you know, um, you know keyword penetration on the site, technical SEO, site speed, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, to, to then not follow through that search behavior and search journey onto the site, into the platform seems a bit of an odd gap in thinking for me. And hence why we'd, we had that discussion, thought this would be a good topic today. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a few questions to rattle through. So I'm going to I'm going to pose you uh, um, some of the essential ones up front, uh, so we can give a bit of context to those who might not be so familiar with on-site search within a replatforming project. But so uh, let's put a bit of a summary together, mate. Why should e-commerce teams take on-site search as seriously as the off-site search stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, you just summarized it pretty well. And I think um, it's a 
it, for one, it's a, it's a key journey. Like it's one of the most key journeys um, for e-com businesses. Um, on average, I think for our clients, I did some uh, research a while back uh, and just basically pulled in loads of data from different GA accounts using Supermetrics for our clients. And um, we, I think on average, uh, users that complete a search are four, just over four times more likely to search. And I think on average, about I think it's somewhere between 12 and 15% um, uh, of total revenue, basically, like from uh, journeys, uh, from sessions that included a search. Um, and I think particularly, you know, on mobile, like it's such a faster, cleaner experience. And whether you've kind of already got the intent and you know what you're looking for, or whether you're kind of browsing, generally it's going to be much faster and cleaner um, to go by a search than it is to go through kind of multiple categories. Um, yeah, and it just it just feels like, uh, and particularly you know like so many uh, kind of uh, online um, kind of journeys now involve search that it just feels natural. And I think um, I read something a while back around how more people generally are using search in ecom. Um, yeah, and to me, it just feels like a critical part of um, a site and particularly, you know, knowing that there is a lot of intent behind it as well and that a lot of the people that are using search do know what they want and they want to quickly find it. Um, it just feels like something that kind of needs to be optimized um, for me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I see similar stats in my clients. I've seen various industry stats released about search converts three to four times higher than non-search journeys. Uh, and interesting, when I've looked at the data, when I've looked at search journey versus non-bounce journeys for other areas um, where you take out any bounce sessions and look at only non-bounce yeah. user journeys through like browse, it, it converts regularly three, four, five, six times. I've got one client at the moment where it's eight times conversion rate through search. Now, there, there is a bit of a caveat to that because sometimes search converts better because other the UX around other journeys is so crap that yeah. trying to find a product in a poorly structured catalog means that people give up and go to search. As you touched on mobile, you know, some, some of my clients are 70 to 80% mobile traffic. Yeah. If your navigation and menu, um, you know, off-canvas menu stuff is so poor to get people to product, they will hit search straight away because they can't be bothered to waste the time. But they're, they're in, regardless of what drives people to search, the behavior is there and it is established and more and more people are searching on mobile. So yeah, fundamentally agree with that, but not all searches are born equal. Um, I think, you know, I, I also would say to some people listening that, that the, I guess the level of impact that search will have on your site is definitely dependent on the type of product you sell and how large your catalog is. If you have, if you sell two or three products, your site search is not going to be nearly as important as if you're selling thousands and thousands of products from a product search point of view. But I think where a lot of people underestimate as well is content search. And you yeah. see a lot of sites where they nail the product search from an e-commerce point of view, but actually they're not properly indexing content. So if you've got loads of content, whether it's editorial content or guides, articles, and that's poorly indexed and not accessible, you'll lose in a, per a percentage of your search traffic. By, by not thinking that through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what you were just saying there around uh, kind of uh, search not being equal, I think I completely agree with that. But one thing that I thought was quite interesting, so when we've looked at that kind of data, or when I did that whole research piece, um, one of the lower, one of the industries that had lower search usage was fashion. Um, but I've had two clients that have um, basically fashion brands that have tested uh, making search more prominent across the site, inclusive of mobile, 
and both of those uh, like projects um, basically performed really well. So it's kind of like a bit of a test, but it wasn't it wasn't like a kind of you know A B test, a proper test. But we basically moved to making uh, exposing search on mobile. Yeah. And then exposing the search bar instead of just the magnifying icon um, and then making it a bit bigger. And then also um, kind of doing a bit of optimization work on kind of the JavaScript overlay. Um, And there was a pretty good incremental benefit from doing that, particularly on mobile. Um, Yeah, and I've seen that. I saw some some great data even a, a, a couple of years ago from Conversion Excel around A, B tests they did to try and push more people into search journeys to get stronger conversions. And they found that the, the biggest, because most people try and change like, the algorithm, optimize the algorithm or apply merchandise into search results pages and try and do it through more sophisticated ways or even change the tooling. And so few people take a step back and go, well, actually, is it just about how visible and accessible that search bar is? And Conversion XL did some testing where they found that it was just simply by making the search box bigger wider more uh visually distinct from other elements of like global navigation that the search engagement increased uh, massively like double a you know, good double digit percentage increase in search engagement which given the fact that search was converting far better than other journeys there's your there's your roi for, for playing around with it yeah so yeah i think that's a good point i think it's, it's interesting to see it in the fashion industry because um i i guess like, it was quite hard to get buy-in from a particularly one of them which is like a premium fashion brand um but yeah ended up performing really well um but i think for me that that specific example was mostly the usability on mobile just because it, it wasn't the fastest site um relatively big catalog um yeah it was mostly that that kind of really added value yeah, and I th- what I find interesting as well is for people for people listening and thinking about okay, well, how do I work out how important search is? Is is even if even if you're in say fashion, and I've seen this on a couple of sites where browse is still the number one journey because lots of people like visual browsing. They like to you know, there's so people searching for whether it's t-shirts, dresses, or whatever it is looking visually to find something they like the look of before they explore it further. Search can be a refined user behavior for subsequent parts of the purchase cycle so it might be a smaller percentage but actually it's got the still got the best conversion because people have done the refinement through visual browsing and they come back and search now specifically for the exact product or, or a subset of the products that they want having done that visual browsing so it's it's not just a okay well search isn't as important it's about what part of the user journey is search converting and how well is it doing it and sometimes you need to kind of think a bit differently in different markets, depending to, to understand what the real impact of search is. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about e-commerce platforms, because I guess this is, this is an important starting point for anyone listening is how good are the main e-commerce platforms out of the box search solutions? What are the main pros and cons? There are so many platforms out there, right? I, you know, I guess you've got the likes of Shopify and big commerce doing really well from SaaS space. Uh, Magento still doing well, um, you know, even with the, the, the new version, um, you know, um, Salesforce, Episode, you name it, lots of different platforms. So how do you rate platforms for native on-site search capability? How would you pick it apart? Yeah, so I think with the mainstream ones, I don't think any of them are particularly strong. So, I mean, Salesforce is okay. Um, and it's probably the best um, of those that you've mentioned, I would say. Let's qualify that though. What do you mean by okay? So they have a bit more kind of uh, 
they offer a bit more control in terms of kind of merchandising results and you've got Einstein um, within that. So it's, there's a level of kind of machine learning and personalization. Yeah. Um, Magento you, is very basic. So you only really have uh, kind of control over products being indexed and synonyms and stuff like that. Same with Shopify and big commerce. Um, I think the one that I've seen that's probably strongest and it's not particularly mainstream, it's not mainstream, um, is work area. So work area is really good in terms of it offers a lot of the kind of core features that a specialist provider would have. So they have like a level of machine learning. They offer pretty advanced uh, kind of merchandising of the results. Um, they have uh, some, level of, some level of NLP um, as well within the platform. And I think it is tricky because I think any, no platform is going to have like the team and the focus um, to really compete with some of the uh, specialist providers. Um, and also, I mean, generally, I guess it's a big part of the ecosystem and everything else as well. Um, but I don't think, yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen any platform apart from, actually, I, do, I mean, you've worked with, work, um, with EpiServer, haven't you? I, I remember yeah. someone telling me they were quite strong on search. Yeah, I, I, would, I would have them uh, up there, that, that level the same as what you said at work area. I mean, they have pers- search personalization is a cool part of their platform. Yeah. Um, they have the uh, machine learning. I'm not so sure about where they've gone with the NLP uh, bit, uh, to be honest. Uh, but they they do have good good capabilities around things like visual search as well, and um, they've just they they they, uh, they integrated Idio recently from a content point of view. So they're increasing their capabilities in terms of content indexation, um, content search capabilities. So from what from what I've saw in native platform, it was one of the best out of what I've seen. But the caveat for that is there are loads of platforms around the world that I don't know in as much detail, but compared with the likes of a Magento Shopify e-commerce, yes, for pure native, I would have it up there as well as one of the leaders. One, um, so Magento have uh, kind of recently um, announced that they're working on an improved native search offering, which kind of more in line with, what a specialist would offer in terms of kind of the merchandising side and machine learning and building in some level of personalization. So it'd be interesting to see what that looks like. Um, but yeah, I, I struggle. I can't, yeah, I think it would be tough for a platform to really like kind of offer that real kind of specialist level search offering. I think you could, to me, all of the platforms should have like a level of merchandising. I think that's the bit that they're, they're missing um but yeah I, I can't really imagine any of the platforms kind of being able to offer that same and, level of features that and what so what type of merchandising would you expect you know from a lot of the ones i work with the, the basic stuff you get out of the boxes you can apply some very simple like sort order changes you can yeah. do basic, basic manual rule based or business logic based but what you can't do is do any kind of complex um, rule-based personalization that you get out of specialist tools and it doesn't have any like machine learning based personalization where it's auto tuning the results based on what people click and what people buy. So I think even some level of prioritization would really help because I think one of my, one of the biggest issues you have with the native searches. So if you were using Magento's native search, um, essentially, so you'd be matching products based on mostly the name, but yeah. I mean, essentially, if I was to type, I don't know, like TV, um, there's every chance that I would get a set of accessories. 
Um, so there's nothing there to allow me to then prioritize um, TVs or certain brands or products with certain attributes. Um, and I guess either there's some kind of base level of prioritization where you could like take a group of products and um and boost them or um increase their prominence or as you say like the next one would be like rule based where you could um boost a specific brand or or a group of products based on attributes Um, and then beyond that i guess you might want to do some level of keyword level merchandising as well if there's specific terms that are really high volume or really valuable um and you want to be able to select specific products. Um, yeah, so I guess that would probably be like the ideal, but yeah, just anything to allow for kind of certain overriding of, um, of results, I think. I mean, yeah, that, ju- that just seems to be the, um, the kind of real missing piece for platforms that then, and I mean, the other thing is, I mean, I've had a lot of clients that um, haven't needed advanced search by any stretch of the imagination. Um, yet they've ended up going with a pretty um, expensive vendor uh, just to get control over kind of key terms uh, from a manual kind of merchandising perspective. And with Magento, there are different um, modules you can use that are a little bit more lightweight um, and you could extend um, the search yourself to allow for um, kind of more manual intervention. Um, but yeah, particularly with kind of Shopify or some of the other platforms, um, you end up spending a lot of money and not really getting the most out of the tool um, for some of those use cases. Yeah, I think I think like if I had to summarise it, I'd say that a lot of these platforms, if you are a non-complex product catalog e-commerce site and you don't have a lot of e-commerce expertise and resource and budget, you can get by with the out-of-the-box search to just make sure that you get accurate search results when people are searching for queer, for a keyword queries, but it's going to be basic and you have to be very careful in how you set up your product data to avoid that, that issue you've raised, which is a very generic keyword could based on product title matching, pull in irrelevant things. So you have to think carefully about product title optimization and how you um, use product attribute data and other parts of product data to avoid that conflict. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to be honest, a lot of the, a lot of the issues um, with search accuracy can be improved by uh, enriching or improving product data. Um, But yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess it just depends on the platform really, because I know, I mean, Magento has actually got a bit better. Like back, I remember a while back, if, if you were typing something that wasn't the exact name of the uh, product, you wouldn't get any results. And to be fair, it's still not brilliant. And, um, but it, it's better than it was. And Elasticsearch is an improvement on solar. Um, but yeah, I feel like um, most, most clients of ours would use a third party um, if they were using kind of a Magento, a Shopify, a big commerce. Um, even a Salesforce. Uh, so Salesforce have recently opened. So historically, you weren't allowed to use a third-party search vendor with Salesforce. However, you, I think you, I believe they've now opened it up, so you can. Um, and then also a few people that I've known that have used Salesforce have ended up using like an Algolia um, for the JavaScript overlay. And then there's just no search results page, and then they just use like a product feed um, yeah. to pass the product data through to Algolia. Um, so yeah, Salesforce as well. Yeah, and that, that comment you said about Elastic uh, and improvements over solar. I mean, I have to say that I've seen some good solar implementations, but it takes a lot of tuning and configuration to get it to to work and be performant. 
and I've certainly from the developers I've worked with that there is a preference to elastic they find it a bit simpler to 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 uh to set up but <coughs> it brings us to the point about taking the search out of the box versus tuning so let's park for a side at a side a moment a specialist searching merchandising tool and look yeah. at okay you've taken an e-commerce platform you've got a search tool now if you happen to take a a SaaS platform where the the application's locked down you can't you can't change the code basically but with a magento say you're on elastic you can actually at least you can make changes and you can extend and you can customize it you know however you want to what tuning should people be doing to their default search to make it better what are the common issues and how can they be like addressed so that you go live with something that is at least performant yeah absolutely so i mean i guess um We've just talked about some of that, which was kind of the merchandising and prioritization and boosting of uh, products um, and just generally kind of working with your catalog to make sure that you're serving the best results for the customer, but also the best results for you as a business based on um, your kind of business metrics. Um, and I guess beyond that, you have kind of synonyms, which most of the platforms support um, and just making sure um, that any, any keywords that either have limited results, irrelevant results or no results um, are kind of being optimized by uh, synonyms. Um, and then I think beyond that, if you, if you do have the ability to do so, um, I think that um, kind of looking at what data is being indexed as well, just to kind of improve relevancy as well. So often if you've got, say, if you're a fashion uh, brand and you've got really uh, short, non-descriptive product titles, um, you might want to make sure that your product description is being indexed or some of the other attributes are being indexed by the search provider um, as well. And again, you might end up wanting to do some level of like waiting around that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think really there's... Um, I mean, I guess it depends on you as a retailer, really, and how complex your catalog is. I've had uh, clients before um, where there's been like a really odd or like a really unique um, prioritization. So I had one client where they essentially had a score against the product and that score dictated the order of the products of InSearch. And that was something that needed to be built pretty uh, or it ended up being quite a custom solution. Um, there's other ones where I've had other clients where products certain products need to be more prominent for certain clients on the B2B side. Um, and then on top of that, you might have certain products not being available to other clients on the B2B side and things like pricing being different and stuff like that, um, which might end up um, impacting the kind of tuning and optimization side. Um, yeah. And I think, I think kind of they're the, they're the ones that I've really seen. Are there any others that you can think of? Um. So yeah, so I guess for me the, the other bit is is performance and speed. So yeah, but coming back to your 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 question, 100% agree on the data bit. And I think a lot of times client teams are guilty in the in the rush of trying to get a new site launched with a million and one things you got to do, of just take just getting product data out and into a new system rather than thinking about cleaning the product data and really being scrupulous about what should a product title be, what should descriptions be what should attributes be and cleaning up that data so you put good quality into the new search tool but assuming that you do that and you've got good quality data the performance bit is critical and i often find that the that conversations aren't had with developers to talk about the speed at which search results can be returned from the database so how how effective is the back end at taking a query passing it finding the results and sending it back 
into the browser, what, you know, which, whichever technology stack is being used to deliver the results and how they're being pushed into the front end. Having those conversations to make sure that, that, that it is um, quick and a, a query is processed quickly. And then the second part to that is the re results pages on the website. Like, you know, how is that page designed and structured? How's the code optimized so that the content is visible quickly? It's so frustrating on a mobile site where, and I get this sometimes on, um, on Wi-Fi connections that aren't super fast and I'll type in a query and then the results page is blank. And I'm like, has, it, has the site broken or is my internet? And it's just because the page hasn't been set up to pull in content, you know, the first content for paint stuff. So you don't think it's working and then all of a sudden you get a dump of content you know, X seconds later. So it's about thinking through that user experience as much as it is about the, the quality of the, the data that you're putting into the search in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, a lot of, with some of these third parties as well, the integration is a big uh, kind of, important area and a big differentiator which we'll come on to later yeah so I, when planning out what's important for search i like to break it down to use cases and use case models and i know some people weep when i talk about use case models and get exceptionally bored by them i think they're very practical uh and this is like talking about what you know what customers want to do what the business wants to do and why so that you can then look at what the search tool enables and how it enables it and find the gaps and decide which gaps you need to plug and which you can live without so let's talk about some of those areas and I'll, I'll give my view on what's important. And then I'd be interested to hear from you, Paul, about what your take on it and what things you would advise people to, to think about. So the first one for me is accessibility. And you raised it earlier. How easy is it to find the search bar and use it? Basically, you might have the best search tool in the world, but if hardly anyone's using it, that's a waste of technology. So it's things like size of the search bar is it instantly active on page load on a mobile if it's hidden behind a spyglass icon, if you click it, is the cursor instantly active with the right keypad showing so that someone can start typing? Or are you forcing the customer to click on a spyglass icon, then click into a search field and then start typing? It's things like that, like making it super simple for people to get in and start typing and submitting search queries. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think um, just from a general kind of accessibility perspective, from a like compliance perspective, I guess, um, if you're using a third party as well, one other thing to think about is, um, so one, if you're using a JavaScript overlay and making sure you've got a close button, if you're using um, a JavaScript product grid on the search results page, which is pretty common um, with third parties, just making sure that you've got like the right kind of labeling and um, you're compliant from a, um, a kind of a, all of the kind of contrast and all of the standard kind of accessibility requirements are met as well from the product grid in line with the rest of the site. Um, and then I think that's probably it from an accessibility perspective that I can think of. Yeah, and I think the, 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 the whole point here is, is not to make things overly complex when they don't need to be. It's think about the basics. Uh, and the basics often make a massive difference to a customer. Like, can I, can I see it? Can I use it? Uh, and does it get me where I want to, basically? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we talked uh, about performance, so I'm not going to go back over old ground. Indexation control is the next one. So um, the ability to index different types of uh, content, for example, you might want to have products, um, article results. Some people uh, over the years have, have indexed social content, uh, but the simple ability to, for the customer to switch between them, then it's, it's also down to things like what 
data fields in the product catalog are you using to drive the index that the search is using it to then decide what matches are relevant and i i know you've done a lot in this area but often you search engines are just dumped a full catalog feed and then they're just doing matching and often it is an and match initially you know if someone types um a blue cardigan they'll look for anything which has got blue cardigan in it in product title first and in description and you often get these inaccuracies anywhere if you index like say the full description you'll have lots of outlier words that can then skew results and i've seen this where somebody searching for bicycles on a uh, on a uh, big retail site got books in position one and two because the books are about cycling yeah absolutely that's where i guess you need that kind of nlp and um kind of um, extraction piece um, to support it. Um, one of the things on the indexation point as well, so there's a few bits in there that I think a lot of people miss. So for example, like with fashion, um, a lot of people would want the ability to uh, index simple products that aren't visible individually. So for example, like a red version of the t-shirt, and then you'd be able to show the price of the red version, um, the image of the red version, but then go through to the configurable product. Yeah, uh, and the same principle for things like group products, bundled products, um, and you might also want to make use of different product attributes within um, the UI. So maybe within an overlay um, or and I guess the um, the results page as well. So things like badging. Um, if you're using, if you've got like group, uh, if you if it's a group product, you might have like uh, low to high pricing. So the you'd pull out like the low uh, low price or um, and then the highest price and it might be calculated or it might be a separate product attribute. Um, yeah, you might have different product images or rollovers. Um, yeah, so I feel like there's, um, that's usually quite a big one. And then also for B2B, you might have customer specific pricing as well as part of that. Um, yeah, so that can, be, that can be quite a big area. Yeah, definitely. That, that point you made actually about things like badging it is a good one because I think sometimes people don't stop and realize that what's driving search is not what's driving product list pages. And they've got a lovely design and a product list page, which has you know badges for new in exclusive, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden they're not appearing on search results pages and it wasn't picked up. And simply because the search engine doesn't have that data in the feed for it to index, for it to be able to turn around and say to the front end, there should be a badge appearing on this product. Yeah. Absolutely. And I feel like um, one of the risks of using a third party is, is um, inconsistency with the rest of the site, I guess. Um, and I think that's something to yeah, bear in mind and look at the kind of product cards on your PLPs and make sure that you're kind of trying to create the same experience. Definitely. And we'll, we can touch on this later when we talk about third party tools, but I, I definitely am in favour of of so that's one of the reasons I love Clavo is the ability to, to, to integrate it with sites and through you know, platforms like Magento and preserve the yeah. Magento layouts and not impact your UX or have to really think about any customization. But um, the, the other bit, I, I think an important question, search suggestions. So it's pretty much a standard pattern now. So when somebody starts typing in the search box, predictive uh, matches are, are given to them to try and speed up the click path and help people make decisions. What is your take on what good search suggestions are? Um, some sites do it with just very simple product text matches yeah. and it's just the text label. Others and the ones that I've seen perform the best are the ones where 
they have a thumbnail image of the product, they show a price for the product. There's more contextually relevant information to help the customer make the decision. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm really pro, um, yeah, kind of richer, predictive, um, kind of auto-suggest experiences. And I think a lot of the third parties are pretty focused on kind of almost uh, emulating a results page within that kind of overlay experience. And again, I think uh, speed-wise, um, from a user experience perspective, you can get through to a page. You can really kind of understand the product without having to click through. You don't have to wait for a results page. Um, yeah, just a much cleaner experience. And it feels like most people, interestingly, like the only, like when I've looked at this in the past, the only people that don't um, follow this often are the really big retailers. Um, so people like ASOS, I think Farfetch, a few others like don't actually serve uh, products within their kind of auto uh, suggest UI. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. For me, it's, um, it's a much cleaner experience. Um, yeah, much faster experience. Um, and same principle as what we were talking about before, just trying to kind of um, basically um, create the same experience as a PLP. Yeah, I guess, I guess for some of the larger ones, one of their big challenges is showing specific products when the audience, I mean, the audience size in the millions and such yeah. huge categories of products to get meaningful. Right? I know you can, you've got uh, ML and AI stuff doing learning and you've got personalization. Um, yeah, it, it is interesting actually, because I've not worked on a site like ASOS. I know that they put a lot of data science behind what they're doing. So there must be a yeah. reason behind it. The sites I've worked at, the visual search um suggestions have had higher click-through and conversions off the back of yeah. them in general i think the other i guess the other thing is with um sites like that the amount of change there must be within the product catalog all the time like even just like maintaining the index and yeah yes. i would imagine probably quite a lot um to it particularly if you're using a third party um but yeah that makes sense um search results actually now here's a question for you how do you Optimize search results actually. What can people do to ensure that there isn't junk on results pages? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we've talked about the kind of merchandising side and manual overriding, but I think beyond that, um, if you kind of work, depending on which third party you're using, you can usually kind of work with the third parties as well, too. So, you'd have most of the good third parties would have some level of machine learning, um, and that machine learning would be combined with the kind of manual business logic. Um, to then dictate the results um, and then you might have a layer of personalization as well to kind of serve more relevant results to someone based on uh, product attributes within the products that they've interacted with so um, let's take somebody who doesn't have a third party with ml or, or or personalization or any of that jazz and they've just got a vanilla elastic search um, what can they do to to you know improve and, and get and minimize the inaccuracy yeah, so I guess um, with that, so you've got from a base level, you can kind of encourage, you could uh, strengthen those kind of query suggestions. Um, I think you could optimize your product data and, opt as you say, kind of optimize product names, things like that. Um, kind of broaden the data you're looking at. Um, you could also kind of merchandise some of those queries, add synonyms, things like that. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I think so. I think that... And actually an interesting one is offsite search can help influence this because yeah, there's the synonym stuff to help set up dictionaries that say, if somebody searches for this, then it basically is the equivalent of X. Um, 
it is quite useful and you can take that from um if you don't have loads of search history on your site and i've seen this for some sites haven't got a search or they haven't been capturing data and they don't know what queries have been submitted and which ones have zero results etc actually you can use like um uh, external search as a proxy so google search Bing, whatever the search engine is most relevant to you and look at all the types of queries that are being searched for and that can help inform synonym planning as well to help you try and avoid there being issues the obviously the ultimate is you've got really rich data over the last 12 plus months of all the queries that have been submitted and therefore you can plug the gaps where you've already got poor performance yeah and i think i'm kind of eating into one of the other points a little bit here as well but i think um like really kind of mining GA and making sure that you've got Google Analytics set up well um, to kind of monitor search um, beyond just kind of enabling the query tracking. Um, I think that will um, make a difference as well. Like uh, things like if you're using events on the results pages um, to track what people are clicking and how people are kind of engaging on the results pages, things like that should help as well. Yeah, let's expand on that because you're right, we were going to come to that later, but Search reports for e-commerce teams, what, what and why? So for, for me, I've always, you get bog standard reports and they're fine. Okay, here's some query data. We can see some conversion data. And then you said you step up and you add events so you can see what people are clicking on and not clicking on. Um, then you can go to the next level and say, okay, well, let's look at submitted query versus matched query where the search engine is basically um, finding something that, isn't an accurate match for what's in the data, but interpreting it and responding and uh, uh, with a different query that it thinks is the closest match. So there's lots of things you can do where you can take it that one step further. What, what are a couple of the reports that you found have added the most value, all the couple of bits of tracking that have added the most value to clients? Yeah, so, um, so from a GA perspective, um, adding an event to track zero result search queries is a good one. Um, so that you can then know to optimize those via um, either uh, kind of merchandising or via synonyms, um, or even just kind of having an idea of how many people are seeing uh, zero result search um, results so that you can then kind of add personalized product recommendations or whatever else just to try and kind of optimize that experience. Um, I think beyond that, um, potentially like little things like kind of tracking interaction with filters, which you probably do anyway uh, for PLP and then kind of doing that on search so that you know how people are kind of refining for different queries. Um, beyond that, so this isn't really relevant to search, but it's still interesting when you're looking at search, but tracking uh, products, uh, tracking views of products that don't have any stock. And I guess from there, it'd be a case of looking at your search results and making sure that those products aren't particularly prominent um, and kind of creating reports around that, um, which can be good. And if you're using a third party, you can obviously create rules around that. Yeah. Um, and then I guess like beyond that, just the standard GA ones are usually quite good in terms of like top level usage and top level metrics against different queries. Um, the A lot of the, some of the econ platforms have like, top level reports as well around like visits from search against products and uh, query reporting and uh, zero result search uh, keywords as well from the platform. Um, yeah, and I think they're kind of the main ones without getting access to kind of proper reporting via a third party. Yeah, the, the, the other one I like, um, which I think is an interesting one to look at is where exit from search is direct it leads on to like a browse journey. 
So if they're searching and they're not clicking through to product, but they're then going back to like navigation or somewhere else, where are they going? Um, trying to find where you've got queries, you've got a good volume of search, but they're not actually finding something. It's not leading to, to sale because often by exploring the then forward path in terms of category navigation, you can understand a bit better the intent and you can start to apply um, some different logic and rules to those search queries. Yeah, absolutely. And then the only other one actually that I just thought of was uh, there's some report. If you're using enhanced decom, um, you can see a bit more reporting around which products people are clicking through to um, and what people are doing on the results page as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the, I guess the other one for me is, is when you're indexing different types of content, um, in, I guess this will be covered through the event track and actually interactions where people switch from product to article view or vice versa. What type of query has the best um, like interaction engagement and onward path um, for the different types of content? So are there particular queries where actually informational content is the primary driver of the behavior afterwards as opposed to product? So people aren't really clicking into product. What they want is content. And do you then start informing testing plans around those queries to try and come up with maybe it's adding different content above the product grid on the results page um, to, to try and help those, those users better. Yeah, absolutely. So next question, we've talked a lot about good looks like and some of the challenges with out of the box tools and how the platform capabilities vary quite widely. What search tools do you rate and why? Now, I know we're going to talk about Clayview because I know you've worked with them closely and, and they're one of the market leaders, but why don't you break out for people? What, what are some of the third-party specialist tools you've used for on-site search and you know, what are the advantages of them? Yeah, absolutely. So I've used most of the uh, kind of modules and lower-level apps with Shopify and Magento. And I think some of those are okay at different levels. So like, uh, Boost for Shopify is okay for getting a slightly better um, UX uh, and a few kind of additional features on top of what Shopify offers. And then on top of that, you've got Searchnize, which is a little bit better and gives you kind of base level merchandising. And then beyond that, you've got Instant Search Plus, which is like a slight level up. Um, and then with Magento, there are a few kind of uh, different modules out there, but they're, they're kind of like, I guess, similar. So they're just kind of base level optimization in terms of kind of like the real kind of specialist third parties. So the ones I've used most have definitely been Clavio and Algolia, um, yep. both of which are really strong. Um, Algolia is really good in terms of, it's really open for customization. Um, you can do whatever you want with their JavaScript libraries. They've got a good API, everything else. Um, and also some of their newer merchandising stuff is good. Um, and then I'd say Clave is uh, really strong when it comes to the machine learning and LP side, uh, but it does also have the merchandising side as well. And they've recently uh, kind of opened up their JavaScript libraries and it's a bit more kind of extensible now. Um, another one that I think is really good that I've worked with briefly is Search Spring. Um, so they are they're bigger in the US than they are in Europe. Um, it's a little bit, uh, so with Clayview in particular, it's relatively light touch in terms of the integration with uh, SearchBring. It's a little bit um, more custom, um, but equally it's really good. And um, it's very, in my experience, uh, it's been really good natively and you can do a lot in terms of the kind of merchandising side and also um, the kind of um, customization on the front end side as well with the results page and the overlay and everything else. 
Um, and then I've used a few others, but they're kind of the main ones. And I guess SLI as well, which has kind of obviously declined a lot in recent years, but was, it was a really good tool. I've always really liked it. I think it's just like been disrupted a little bit and then they've obviously had a lot of changes of the business. And then I know you've worked with a lot of the bigger ones as well, haven't you? Um, yes, over the years, but not re- more recently, it's been primarily the, the likes of Algalis and Clavies, and most recently Clavy. So yeah, I've worked with with um, likes of Fred Hoppers in the past, but um, I think a lot of the time now it's people are, I guess people are turning to like search and merch tools rather than than just search. So a lot yeah. of clients want to get something that they can do both, and which is why you've got the likes of Clayboo coming up with smart category navigation to offer a merchandising personalization tool as part of the the, the platform. And it's going to be interesting to see that space because there'll be some that, that remain as a search specialist and others that diversify to kind of tap into that need for somebody to have one provider across because you get the efficiencies if you're using one platform to do all of those journeys and are able to control your list pages, uh, you know, holistically rather than just I've got control search here and I've got control product list pages over here. Yeah, I agree. That is an interesting one. I mean, with search spring, I'd say they are like Clavier is very specialist to search and as is search spring, um but um one of the things i would um say research bringers that they have a good solution for product recommendations as well and they were kind of the first one to create a really good category merchandising solution um that's kind of fully built into the product as well um but yeah i completely agree and then you've got some of the new players as well like clerk.io um and there's another one as well that are kind of again much broader um so yeah it's an interesting space to be fair i think um some really good options so my last question to you before we wrap up we've talked about some of the clear advantages of a specialist though of specialist and this happens in all areas where you have a specialist they are focused on that one area rather than trying to provide an entire e-commerce platform which is a massively complex bit of care so those advantages around machine learning, uh, NLP, AI automation, personalization, okay, they make sense. How does a business that hasn't previously used a tool like that create an ROI business case for spending on them versus we've paid for a platform, we should just use the tools in it? Yeah, so I guess um, it depends on the business, really. Like certain features are going to add a lot more value to different types of businesses. So certain, like if you know, if you're a multi-brand complex catalog retailer or big catalog retailer, um, you're going to really benefit from being able to do rule-based merchandising of results. Um, And same principle for you might also benefit more from kind of NLP and the whole catalog enrichment side and being able to kind of process more advanced queries. Um, And also machine learning as well, because you're going to have, I guess, even you're going to have some level of reduction on the manual effort. So there's different kind of business cases, I guess. But beyond that, I mean, also for B2B, um, for example, you wouldn't show pricing often if you're using a native search solution with B2B. Whereas if you move to a third party that can um, kind of index customer specific catalogs, pricing, availability, um, tiered pricing structures, all of that kind of stuff, then you might end up with more relevant results. So whilst editing uh, this episode, I realized that the end was cut off, which is a bit annoying, um, but it means that I'm going to close today's episode for the first time. 
Um, so yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Really enjoyed talking about search with James. And if there's anything that you think we missed, feel free to get in touch via email or you know drop us a note on Twitter or even leave a comment on the website. Um, yeah, and then maybe we'll cover it in a future episode. But thanks everyone for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.